Is anyone else here tonight tired? (laughs) Is it me or do the lights this year not burn as bright? 2018 was quite a year. It was February 5th when a 39-year-old man, father of three, youth pastor in town, husband to one, passed away unexpectedly. Leaving behind broken hearts and broken dreams and a family that's devastated. Ten months later. I remember when my friend got pregnant. She told me last year we were at a family camp. She said, Tara, I'm so scared. And I said, I know. But God has you. And I was so confident. And I remember this year sitting in the hospital, holding sweet baby Becca, whose first breath took place in heaven. I had been for sure that God would do it, but he didn't. When my friend called and said that her 12-year-old son was threatening to take his life because he just didn't know how to handle the anger and pain of his family that was split apart. Would God be big enough to save the day? The 19-year-old son who was here one day and tragically the next day gone and there's an entire family with questions and no answers. And a week ago, having to bury my furry best friend, who is far more stubborn than me, if you can believe that, and trying to breathe in the days and nights that have so slowly passed. I started off this year strong, confident in who the Lord was. But if I'm being honest tonight, I'm tired. And it's not just me. I sat around a table Sunday night with other ladies. And the one question asked was, how can we pray for you? Two ladies. One whose dad is an alcoholic. The other whose dad is a druggie. One lady whose brother is a drug addict and his life is spiraling out of control. Everyone is tired. And Christmas doesn't always feel Fun or festive. Tonight was hard to get here for some of us. Probably for more of us than we realize. The addict who slips again into self-medicating with the pill or the bottle. The overwhelming grief of the widow left behind. The unbearable heartache of the ones left to pick up the pieces. Shattered shards of a hope lost that cut slowly. Bearing marks that resemble the mark of a savior who came to die so that we may live. And yet shards that leave a deep, deep pain. Reminding us that it's in the midst of our living, not our dying, that we most need a savior. It's funny the way that burying the things and the people most precious to us often digs up the very things we've spent our entire lives running from. We're tired.
What happens when things don't exactly pan out the way we had always dreamed of, hoped for, or faithfully banged on the doors of heaven for? This is what I like to refer to as tension. The definition of tension is this, inner striving, unrest, or imbalance, often with physiological indication of emotion. A state of latent hostility or opposition between individuals or groups. A balance maintained in an artistic work between opposing forces and elements. The act or action of stretching or the condition or degree of being stretched to stiffness. Stress. Either of two balancing forces causing or tending to cause extension. There's this tension between the reality of our lives and the truth of God's word. A God who can do anything, no budget cuts, no limits on answered prayers or miracles, no limited resources. I find myself wrestling in the middle of this tension, knowing a really good and really big and really strong God who can do anything and yet who seemingly sometimes does nothing. Our stories are filled with tension day in and day out. The tension between our wicked flesh and our spirit man who longs to please God. The tension between what our heads tell us and what our hearts tell us. And let's be honest, how often do they actually line up? The tension between wanting to do the right thing and really, really wanting to do the wrong thing. But our stories are not the first to be filled with tension. I'm going to read tonight in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 in the message translation. About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quinarius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the hotel. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. <laughs> the neighborhood. <laughs> I got, sounds like there's shepherds on my block too. <laughs> they had set night watch over their sheep. Suddenly God's angel stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town. A savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. Great clue, right? Like how many babies are wrapped in blankets? Just saying. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's get over to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. 
they left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child and all who heard the shepherds were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear, deep within herself. The shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they had been told. The Christmas story, one that's been passed down from generation to generation. It's been painted by master artists, sung by angelic voices carefully crafted in nativity scenes worldwide. But Christmas creates a scene of peace and wonder and awe, soothing soft music, twinkling lights, gifts of every kind. God's promises fulfilled. Don't get me wrong, it's certainly a sacred moment that deserves the holiest of hushes and stillest of reverence. But I'm wondering what more the beloved story offers us tonight that may perhaps bring us a deep sigh of comfort. Here are the parts of the story, the Christmas story, that are not typically highlighted. The worst travel plan ever, nine months pregnant and there's no more room. You tell a nine-month pregnant lady that there's nowhere for her to stay, things are going to go bad. And I guarantee Mary, full of grace, the chosen one of the Lord, was fully human and probably had her own conniption fit. There had to have been stress. Never been pregnant. I don't know, but I've heard. (laughs) Can you imagine the frustration, the disappointment? In another translation, it says this about the manger. It says that she wrapped him up well and laid him in a box where cattle are fed. It does not get more humble than those beginnings. Mary and Joseph knew what it was like to have need. To have need. To be desperate for something to move. They knew what it was to be in lack. This was no prosperity gospel. This was we're putting this baby in a box. A plan beyond all human control and all of the control freaks in a room said, amen. (laughs) This wasn't Mary and Joseph's plan. This wasn't their Pinterest wedding. This wasn't their design or dream. As a matter of fact, they couldn't touch it. Does God really know what he's doing? (laughs) A plan that would interrupt life as they knew it. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Ever said that before? Something that could and would bring shame, judgment, or even misunderstanding. Whose baby is that? Joseph and Mary engaged. Mary's pregnant. What? I guarantee there was chatter in the town market. I guarantee there were people who misunderstood. I guarantee there were people who who spoke of them in negative ways. Humans are sometimes incredibly painfully difficult. Myself included. 
a gift that would cost them each. There is always a price to carry. There is always a price to pay to carry the gift of God. You as mothers certainly understand that price. Children are a gift, but it costs something. Husbands are a gift, but it costs something. The hormones, the emotions, the questions without answers, the raging king, the fear, the unknown, the fear of the unknown, the what ifs wasn't exactly peaceful, wasn't exactly silent, maybe for 10 minutes. But man, when King Herod snapped, it was pure chaos. Did did Joseph really hear from God? Did he interpret the dream right? Are we sure that we're supposed to go to this place and not this place? The chaos. The death of countless two-year-old and under baby boys. The wailing and weeping of broken-hearted mothers who echoed in the streets. Did Mary and Joseph feel bad? That it was their baby boy, this baby Jesus, did they feel bad that they had their baby and nobody else did? The guilt, the weight of that. The scorning of parents who senselessly lost their boys in the name of this child who has been born. The why me questions asked repeatedly. The physical pain of giving birth, the suffering while others rejoiced. The constant hide and seek and run. And yet look at how Mary responds in verse 19. But Mary treasured all these things, giving careful thought to them and pondering them in her heart. Another translation says, Mary continued to think about these things Trying to understand them. The pondering that leaves us in the tension. We women like to ponder. We're professional ponderers, aren't we? I mean, we can, you give us something, we can really spin it in our mind, and we can really think about it, we can come up with a plan, we we can come up with the cause and analysis. It's like built into our DNA to ponder. And if you're careful... Or if you're not careful about what you're pondering, it's going to lead you into some trouble. Constantly leaning in under the pressure and in the tension and pondering. I looked up the word pondering and it says this. To weigh in the mind, to appraise, to think about, reflect on. It strikes me that Mary was trying to understand everything that happened. Right? Like, come on, Mary, it's Christmas. You are with child, it's from God, angels are singing, shepherds are coming, there's gifts, fa-la-la-la-la, joy to the world. (laughs) But if we really break down the story and enter into that, we would be pondering too. And I'm so glad that Mary had questions. Because I've had questions this year. That I don't have answers to. See, we're not alone in our pondering. And God is not put off by our questions. It's not like offended, like, oh gosh, here goes Tara again. Come on. 
Get here 10 o'clock. I am tired of hearing from Tara today. Goodness. We're not alone in our pondering. But as we ponder, what do we do with the tension that exists? What do we do with the, when the narrative of our lives is opposite of what God's word says? What do you do when you pray for something and it lines up with God's will? And it doesn't happen. What do you do with that? Have we misunderstood this good God all along? Have we been duped? Scammed? Is this some ass seen on TV micro scubber that as soon as I put it on my shower wall, I'm going to and my shower wall is going to be pure white again? Or is there more to the tension? Tonight, I believe there's more to the tension. There's benefit. I don't know if you know this, but a boat without a drawn sail floats along without harnessing the wind's force to give it direction and keep it on track. It's simply at the mercy at the waves. If the sail is slack and allowed to merely flap against the breeze, if there is no tension at all, it will be of little help. The boat will lose direction and may sail off course. Tension is required so that the boat can reach its destination. Tension is everywhere. It keeps the roof above our head, the bridge underneath our car, our guitars and pianos playing on key, praise the Lord. Our ecosystems balanced, whatever an ecosystem is, I don't even know. And our bodies healthy. We literally cannot live without tension. Your story is not much different than Mary's. Sure, I'm sure you've never been impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and I hope you've never had to lay your baby in a feeding trough. But your story is not much different than the one across the table from you. Even Mary continued to think about these things, trying to understand them. And here's where it comes back around to Christmas. And why we can rejoice even at the end of an incredibly difficult, painful year. Because in the middle of our pondering and wrestling and questioning and tears that sometimes carve deeper routes than the laugh lines of our faces, the gift remains. And that gift is simply Jesus. And for just the briefest of moments, we pause and we exhale. Go ahead, pause and exhale. Think about it. He could have written the story a million different ways. But the one way he chose to write it was this. He chose to enter into our suffering and brokenness with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And our pondering tonight leads us here to this place. Beth Moore recently said this, take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. And you, my friend, do not have enough darkness erupting from you or descending upon you on your blackest, bleakest day to overcome his light. The winter will pass. Spring will come. We're all going to make it. In the midst of the darkness, 
there is a light that shines greater. In the midst of the heartache of earth, there is a heartache for heaven, our home that aches more deeply. In the midst of the chaos of death and defeat, there is a peace that goes beyond all understanding. In the midst of disappointment and the shattered shards that cut deeply, there is one who willingly made himself to be broken so that we could be restored. In the midst of the hustle and bustle, there is an invitation to a hushed, holy stillness. And in the midst of the sacred stillness, there is a most humble of invitations to you and I to acknowledge that he is God. And when we acknowledge that he is God, when we still ourselves long enough to recognize who he is and who we're not, then we can go ahead and bury all of our selfish and prideful pretenses and our masks and our masquerades and our perfect, pretty little pinched lives. And we can just go ahead and admit that we are not God and we never have been and we never will. And praise God, the earth does not spin on my axis. And in the middle of our wrestling and pondering with the tension of our everyday lives, there is simply Jesus. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Regardless of what your year has held or how you're entering into this season or the brokenness that you carry or the unanswered prayers or the unanswered questions or just the sheer exhaustion from your pondering. (laughs) For unto you is born a child. Unto you a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And that will never change. That will never change. And the answer to all of your ponderings and my questions and our wrestling and our deepest heartache and grief is this. It's simply Jesus. A God who chooses to walk with us in the darkest of times. A God who refuses to leave us. God, thank you. For your word. God, thank you for this time of year, which is an incredible reminder about the gift that you are. And God, I am sorry for wanting my prayers to be answered more than I've just wanted you. I'm sorry for the way I've chased after meaningless things. Instead of chasing after you. God, I'm sorry for all the times I've refused to let you into my brokenness. Oh. 
You are incredible. You are wonderful, counselor, the everlasting God, the prince of peace, and the government is on your shoulders, and you are the God of the unshakable government. And God, I want my life to be marked like the shepherds when it says that they went back and they let loose praising God. God, and even in the midst of grief and hard times, I want my life to be marked by letting loose and praising God. But God, we're tired. We're so tired. And we need a fresh infusion of hope and in that peace that you promise us, the peace that goes beyond all understanding. And God, for our friends who are hurting because they've lost people they loved. God, we need you to prove yourself faithful. You've got to do it, God. God, thank you for loving us. For loving us enough to enter into our brokenness with us. You could have stayed far off. You could have given up a long time ago, but you refused to do that. And we're incredibly, incredibly thankful. We love you. And uh, happy birthday, Jesus. I pray that this season we would honor you above all the things. God, that your light would shine greater than our darkness. God, that you would give us the grace to take heart. And God, that we would look forward to home and eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen.